Welcome, Mainspring Family Wellness listeners. I'm Jenna Flowers. And I'm Kristen Perlmutter. Welcome to our 39th episode of this podcast. We are so glad you're tuning in because we have a really important topic to discuss today, and that is divorce. Such a big topic to tackle, but we have some really great guests here today to help us start this conversation. Yes, joining us today on this episode will be Diana Valenzuela, staff therapist over at Mainspring Family Wellness, and divorce coach Jenny Hasseth. So Diana is a marriage and family therapist uh, associate, and Jenny has a divorce coaching practice, and they run a course over at Mainspring for the local Orange County area for individuals seeking support during the process of divorce. Yeah, and Jenna, I think it would be a great time to mention that you have a really amazing book about co-parenting Thank you. during divorce or after divorce. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, it's The Conscious Parent's Guide to Co-Parenting. It came out actually about five years ago, but um, you know, I still get a lot of good positive feedback. It's very helpful for parents that want to learn how to co-parent well. And in fact, I actually have an online class for co-parents uh, at coparentwell.com to just really hone in on like, okay, this didn't work out, but we still have children and we have to put mm -hmm. these kids first. And how do we put our own stuff aside so that we can really hone in on the transactions of parenting, the business mm -hmm. of parenting for these kids so they feel like they're really securely connected to both parents. And that's always the travesty that <clears throat> I see when I have some of these court-mandated cases that come my way for co-parenting is when um, parents use their children as weapons, mm. weapons of mass destruction. Oh. And I'm sure we'll get back into some of that uh, with uh, Diana and Jenny um, because the and I myself, you know, have, have been divorced now for five years. Um, there is a real grieving process that is mm -hmm. taking place, and you have to learn how to grieve well. And that's why I think we wanted to really have a divorce support group at Mainspring mm -hmm. because the need is just so great. And, yeah. you know, the statistics even on divorce are just staggering in our area. Yeah, for I've heard that 50% of all marriages in the US end in divorce, but in Orange County, it's we have the highest divorce rate, is that yes. true? And it's 72%? I mean, that's that's crazy. It is. That it is so I mean, it's sad. Mm -hmm. Um um but yeah, I mean, hopefully that will reduce over time as people become more conscious about how they're entering into relationships and how they work through things, but uh, yeah. That's a very high statistic. Yeah. So all the more reason it's going to be so interesting to talk to Diana and Jenny today about why that is. And you know what? Also how COVID has impacted uh, marriages as well. Yes. So much to cover. Let's get to it. This is Mainspring Family Wellness, where transformation takes root. This podcast is for parents pursuing both personal growth and family wellness. We will cover relevant topics that help us reflect, make educated choices, and parent effectively. My name is Kristen Perlmutter. I'm an educator, a philanthropist, and a mother of three who is passionate about personal growth and seeing families at their optimal wellness. And I'm Dr. Jenna Flowers, a marriage and family therapist, author of The Conscious Parent's Guide to Co-Parenting, speaker, and mother of three. Welcome, Diana and Jenny. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, it's good to be here. 
Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation. We are so excited that you guys are both here and that you have so much to share with our listeners about what you do and um, the support that you provide to those that are going through a divorce. Thank you. So why don't you both introduce yourselves and orient our listeners to how you both relate to divorce? Diana, let's start with you first. Why don't you tell us a little more about your story of divorce and a little of your background? Well, I will say that looking back is so much easier than um, afterwards. Um, in the midst of divorce, it's very scary. It can a lot of emotions. There's a lot of going on. It's difficult. It's painful. It can be challenging. And I can say that for me, it turned out to be a very unique opportunity to really learn about who I am in the world and who I want to be in the world. It was also an opportunity for growth for me. So easy to be loving and kind and shiny when everything's going great. And then when everything seems to be falling down all around you, it's a lot more difficult. So how many years have you been divorced then? Over 20 years. Okay. And you have two children. I have two children. Right. And what are their ages? They're 28 and 29. Okay. And I have a grandchild, too. And a grandchild. (laughs) Okay. How about for you, Jenny? Yeah, so I went through my rupture in my marriage um, about six years ago and then really attempted and thought we were going to work towards repair and was committed to that. And then it was clear about three years ago that um, there wasn't going to be a repair that was going to happen in the container of that relationship. And so I started moving towards divorce and accepting that that was going to be um, not only a part of my story, but my children's story. Mm-hmm. And that was a really hard journey for me because it's not anything I ever considered yeah. before the rupture. And I think that's the thing is it's a whole world of a process that you have to go through in the legal system, mm-hmm. in your social structure, with your friends, with your children as parents. It really hits every single area of your life. And so what does it look like to hold something you never intended to hold and hold it well mm. because you have children watching you? And so um, I really started doing my work and recognized um, wherever you go, there you are. And I really didn't, although what happened in my specific situation wasn't caused by me, I recognized that there were things in my past and in my own inner child work that led me to the relationship that I was in Mm -hmm. that ended in rupture. And so I wanted to work specifically on those things. And so I just got all the help I could possibly get. I went to groups. I started digging and researching, and it felt like you're digging and digging for information because it just wasn't prevalent. It wasn't around. At least it wasn't around me. Well, and it's also different, too. Like, for a lot of the divorce recovery groups that we see in our area, they're at churches. Mm -hmm. They're, you know... There are some maybe lay counsel or mentors that are a part of it. There may be a book that everybody's following. But I think the group that you guys have really put together is very different Mm -hmm. than what other people would be experiencing because it has so much expertise involved Mm -hmm. and then also curriculum that you guys have developed too. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about the class and what 
it entails, what people can expect? Yeah, the class, um, I'll jump in really quick and then Diana, you can jump in. Um, It's essentially a compilation of the most important things that we want to touch on, the most important roadblocks, things that you really want to make sure as you're going through a divorce that you have an opportunity to really process Mm -hmm. so that you are responding well and taking steps forward in your life towards health and not reacting to things out of your own trauma or wounding or fear. And so having an opportunity to sit down in a group of men and women who are going through a similar thing is so validating. Mm -hmm. Um, It's incredibly validating. I remember being so afraid to go to my first class and just so much stigma and shame just in my own process and walking into the room and seeing people who were beautiful and smart and accomplished. And it just was such a validating experience for me of I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. I'm not alone in this. Um, And so just that sense of validation in general, I think is so important for this process. Um, I think we just can't heal and hide at the same time. So that's why a processing group is such a beautiful place to start. Um, It's really financially accessible Mm -hmm. and um, building relationships, healing in community. So there's so many aspects that are so intentional like that before we even dive into the curriculum, just in how we've structured the class. So um, Diana, if you want to jump into curriculum and what we cover during the weeks. Yeah, sure. So we have a six-week course that we offer, and the weeks cover the topics on managing stress would be something that we wanted to talk about first. Because when people start uh, this process, there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of pain. That, there's immense stress. Yes, mm-hmm. that, that people are holding, and they've been holding it a lot of times on their own, feeling angry and going through a lot of different emotions that you can't really share at work, you can't really process anywhere else. So you're holding things in and of yourself or you don't want to pass it on to your children. And so it's just a lot to hold. And I think to add to that, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people burn out their friends and their Mm -hmm. family when Mm -hmm. going through a divorce, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's such a huge life-shattering shift in, in what's going on, and then they talk about it, and they bring their, you know, different relationships in, and then they continue to talk about it, and they continue to talk about it, and it can be really heavy for a lot of the people that are walking alongside, so to have a support group where everybody else is also going through it is actually a much safer place, I think, to contain it. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a good thing right there with regards to having a safe place, a place where you know you're safe and you can share And you're amongst people who are accepting and who are in the same place. And so you can really bring your things into that room and not just hear, but also share and process what's personally going on for you, even if it's different from the person next to you, which I think is something unique about our group that we're bringing into the room is a place where you can process these things. And it's not just about the lectures. It's about what does that look like for each individual in the room and what's that unique experience that they're having around the different topics that we're going to be talking about through those six weeks. 
I'm curious, what do you think people need to process the most through a divorce? Yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> I think um, what I see a lot is just how I touched on before, where it really is a rupture that impacts every single area of your life. And so there's so much change, and change can just completely throw us into stress. And so um, I feel like one of the things I see people processing most is giving themselves permission, Mm -hmm. Um, giving themselves permission to grieve um, the unmet dream of how they wanted this to go. Mm -hmm. Um, You're really relinquishing not only a relationship, but you're relinquishing and surrendering visions and dreams for your future, hopes that you had that you hadn't gotten to attain yet. So there's a lot that you are surrendering mm-hmm. when you go through a divorce. And so it's just such the grieving process is not linear and it's just such a roller coaster. And so I think processing that consistently as you hit your different points in your process um, with a safe group where there's just a ton of grace for all of it, mm-hmm. which is why, Jenna, I think it's so important to touch on the friendships and your family mm-hmm. because our families are still the aunts and uncles of our children who will most likely be seeing our ex, um, who is still their father, mm-hmm. um, who our kids still love and identify with. And so just the value of sharing with your family what's happening, but not the nitty-gritty verbal process you're going to be going through for the next year or so and having a safe place to vent that out and process it that isn't with family that you want to be able to be nice to Mm -hmm. your ex when they show up. I think, too, like processing it Mm -hmm. with the intention of not being a victim to Mm -hmm. your own life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because I think some people can really end up taking on a... um, a victim persona after a divorce, mm-hmm. victim persecutor, you know, yeah. uh, and it's really hard to get out of that because it becomes an identity for some people. Mm-hmm. And so this support group of what you guys have put together in the way that you want to process with everyone, it's like, guys, everyone's been through something really tough here. We're going to be there for each other. We're going to work through it, but you're not a victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to move on and your life's going to get better. And mm-hmm. we're here to help you do that. And I think that is what is the encouragement. And a lot of times people lose faith in that because they're just so immersed in so much pain. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is it is a big question about, you know, what are people processing the most during divorce? I think it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. I know for myself, it was about my children. Mm -hmm. Just like, wow, you know, like my kids' lives are going to be so different. Mm -hmm. So I better really be on track with what my co-parenting looks like. So there's no loopholes. I just didn't want any more gaps. And of course, there's always going to be some kind of gaps in a divorce. But if I can minimize that for my children, so they just always feel like mom and dad are still there in every step of this way, that, that was what was most important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think just radical responsibility and ownership. That was yours? Of our lives. Yeah, especially stepping out of having a partner and feeling like, oh, like we're sharing this into being a single mom. Yeah. And just saying, okay, whether I whether I chose or created this or not, I now hold it. 
And what I own will no longer own me because now I own it and I get to hold it and I get to heal it and I get to do all the work around it so that I don't stay in this space. So just How about for you, Diana, what was what you were processing the most? I was processing on the side of my children as well. What I was very much concerned about is how do I create a really good example for them around this rupture happening where I can model for them and be there for them and uh, raise them in a way in which this doesn't destroy them, but this gives them a way of something new and possibly even better than what was happening before. So, for example, one of the things that when I when you talked about being the victim, I was very concerned about um, processing what my new life is going to look like. So I didn't want to get stuck in this space of divorce forever. I That acceptance piece, I wanted it to move into that recreating or reconstruction, constructing our lives as we move forward mm-hmm. and what that looks like. And I wanted to know how to be the best mom in a pretty difficult situation that yeah. I could be for my children and also for myself. Yeah. What does creating a new, the new home The new look home. Like? Yes. Right. What does that look like? With maybe even a variety of different traditions. You mm-hmm. know, there, yeah. That's the opportunity, too, is that you can kind of change things up if you want to. So some people have, you know, very difficult and conflict-ridden divorces, right? Mm -hmm. And then some others might have more of a conscious uncoupling positive experience. How does your curriculum serve both um, camps? Yeah. Yeah, and it's so different even what people have been through leading up until their rupture and where they're at when they come into the class. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about what we touch on is it's your work. It's your personal work. And um, it really is like the boundary work. Mm -hmm. And it's working through grief. What does that look like? Working through co-parenting, co-parenting with boundaries, forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Whether you are consciously uncoupling or there's a huge rupture you still have to do the inner work of forgiveness and surrendering mm-hmm. um so that you can move into your new life um and not be holding that and having that weighing you down so it really is so much of the inner work um maybe you can speak to that but yeah and also our group is structured so that we're right around eight people in mm-hmm. our group we're not just speaking to 50 or 100 people. We've got it to be right around eight people as an average, which gives people that opportunity to process what they're thinking. We can go around and and touch on all the different things that that week, what is that looking like for you in your home with your family? And for the people who may not have children, they're still experiencing those difficulties with moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles that what does that look like? And again, with that creating that new life and reconstructing and doing our best to give everyone that firm foundation and each individual, it's unique for everyone. Everyone has certain things with each week that we talk about that they're able to just dig in a little bit deeper because of the size of the group 
and the topics that we're covering. Yeah, it seems like you've created a really safe place for people to be vulnerable with one another and, and bond and connect through their struggle. So that's, that's a really amazing. So your group is open to both men and women. What prompted you to really make it open to both versus just a women's group or men only? Well, I think the first thing that prompted us was uh, there was a gentleman that was interested in the group, and uh, we thought about doing a women's group, and then we rethought, well, why don't we open it up? Um, we're all human beings, and we're all human beings that are in this particular situation going through a divorce, and that hurt and that pain, we're all feeling that. And when I thought about doing men and women together, one of the things that I thought of is, you know, it would be nice to have those two different perspectives in the room. Mm -hmm. I think one for the reason of just being able to see that other side and for a woman to be able to see how the men are reacting and what's happening for them and to maybe give a little bit more understanding or a little bit more uh, grace for their ex-spouse, and wow, I wonder if they're feeling that same way too or if they're experiencing these same things. And just having that space where it just gives it a little bit more and it encompasses a little bit more room and a little bit more acceptance in those arenas. Pain is pain, huh? Pain yeah. is pain, and I think it's so important for women to see men holding their story and for men to see women holding their story. And I think just the commonality that we have just in this experience is such a beautiful thing. And it's the same diversity value of having a group processing something together in the first place where people have really um, amicable situations and then you have people that have really, really rough situations. Having them in the same room where they can hear from each other, learn from each other, um, really show each other what could be possible. Perhaps somebody's farther along on the co-parenting journey and that speaks to somebody who is not as far along. Um, there's just so much value in that. I, I also really want to acknowledge that over the last couple years that I've been doing co-parenting sessions, um, I've been so impressed with a lot of the dads that I mm -hmm. meet mm -hmm. that are so intentional about wanting to do right by their kids, to be the one that's available, to be putting in the time. And um, it's it's a population that, you know, we see our dads kind of maybe out on the, the, the fields with the kids and whatnot, but there are a lot of dads in our area that are doing the heavy lifting, mm -hmm. and it's not always shared. Mm -hmm. And I think that they deserve a safe space to, <laughs> yes. to be able to talk about that stuff. Definitely. You yes. know, it's not easy. Yeah, so I just want to circle back, and I'm really curious, why is the divorce rate in Orange County so high? Why is it the highest? You know, I'm going to go ahead and, and chime in on this one. When we look at, you know, the recession that took place for us in around, you know, 2008, 2010, 2011, the divorce rate actually decreased. It went down because less finances. Mm. People were scared. They didn't know what to do. So they actually stayed in bad marriages. Mm. Then... Things were on the uptake, you know, when you look at like 2013, 14, 15, and then the divorce rate started to rise again. And now, even after COVID right now, jobs are still, you know, people still have really good jobs. They're, people, 
people's house um, prices have gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. And so people feel like they have um, security, more financial security to go ahead and make the jump to leave a marriage that they're not really happy with. I think that is a, a critical factor in it. And, and maybe because of the affluence in Orange County, that's why it might be more prevalent right now? Yes. And not to take anything away from other, you know, from the 72 percent for what reasons people are leaving. But there is also a certain segment of people that maybe they just don't want to fully do the work. It mm. just looks so exhausting. So it's so much. And maybe there were also see as a as a couple therapist, when I see people come in, They've often waited till it's too late. Yeah. They're They're in crisis mode. They're in crisis, and they're not preventative enough about their marriages. Mm. So they let things go, let things go. That's why I always say with my my couples that come in, come in for check-ins. Just let's see you guys like even three months from now. Let's just start to think of that in terms of like a routine check-in for how are we doing in our communication? How are we doing in our friendship? You know, are we building those love accounts? Because if not, and you just get so depleted, Mm. That's when then crisis hits and then there's nothing left. Yeah. Right? Someone once explained to me it's like a like a drip coming from the ceiling, like a couple drops at first, like this is kind of annoying. And then it's like pff, it all comes pouring down on you, right? right. It's like you gotta get in you gotta get the roof repaired before mm. the flood happens. Yeah. Do you guys have any other thoughts on what I just shared or anything to add? No, I love that you touched on doing the work inside of the relationship um, yeah. and really digging in because it's exhausting work. But the reality is, is most likely you're going to do it in the relationship or outside of the relationship because if it's your work, you're going to have to. You have to do it. Yeah, at some point it. you have to mm-hmm. buckle down and do it yep. because yeah. you can end up in a, a second divorce, yep. a third divorce. Yeah. And so do you want to say that? Well, I'm saying it now. Oh, yeah. I didn't know it happens. I didn't know. No, because the, the divorce rate increases mm-hmm. with each divorce. Yeah. So oh. when a person divorces a second time, you're, um, I think the rate is at even an, another higher statistic at like 68%. A third, then your, your rate goes mm-hmm. up even mm-hmm. higher. I did not I know that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no. it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. like whatever issues you had the first time are going to follow you potentially if you don't do the work to the next mm-hmm. yeah. relationship. Yeah. yeah. And, so, you know, oh. pardon me, I just want to, I have, you know, I, always have these <laughs> I, I, I think all of us can agree, though, at this table that our heart is for healthy marriages mm-hmm. first. Of course. Yes. I mean, key. Yeah. Like, but there are people that are in very difficult circumstances in their marriages and it's, it's not going to work out. Yes. Right. And they're actually doing more of a disservice to each other by staying in it. Well, I have a question about to their kids. I was just going to ask about the kids. I mean, do you feel that I I mean, I I would think that it's better for ultimately for a child to see their parents separated but happy rather than together and miserable. Um, Right. Well, Mm -hmm. the research actually validates that children in the short term, when they go through a divorce with their parents, they're going to have some uh, depression and anxiety, Mm -hmm. maybe initially. But if their parents are actually doing the work and working out, you know, things well with each other, being there for their children and tuning, they do better in the long run than children who stay in uh, families where the parents have high conflict chronically. There's a higher rate of depression and anxiety for those children in the long run. 
That makes sense. Yeah. Did you want to speak yeah. to that, Jenny? Yeah, and I think that's really important to speak to because the stigma in society is always, well, what about the kids? Mm-hmm. And with that, recognizing that if somebody is in a home that is so highly conflicted, whether we're having stonewalling or gaslighting or addiction, whatever kind of conflict is occurring in that home, like it's interesting as a society that we don't ask at that time, well, what about the kids? Mm -hmm. What about the kids? Like they're seeing it. They're sponges. Um, They're catching catching mom's self-worth and how she's allowing herself to be spoken to. Does she speak to her own needs? So those things are caught more than they're taught. And so I think it's important for our kids to see us recognize when something just isn't working, Mm -hmm. even when we're really trying and it just isn't working. And it's important for them to see their parents go through the grieving process. And it's important for them to see their parents heal. Mm -hmm. And it's important for them to see their parents um, doing their own work. And that gives that child permission to do their work. But that's also with a caveat being you're mm-hmm. not sharing any of the details yes. that yeah. children don't need to know. You know, yes. There's so oh much here that a parent yeah. can have their own personal life. They can have mm-hmm. their own personal thoughts. And you're really choosing to be the adult when you say, you know what, sweetie, that's not your job. Mm-hmm. That's actually not something I'm going to share. Yeah. This is between dad and I. Or yeah. this is between mom and I. That's not something you have to worry about. You just need to be a kid and know that we're both in it and we're both going to, you know, do our best to parent you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's where it's really important to get counseling when you're going through this. And so you can even ask somebody like Jenna or Diana, how do I talk to my kids about Mm -hmm. this? What do I what do I say? What do I not say? Because a lot of people who I work with, their kids want to know and they continue asking, well, what happened? Mm -hmm. And so how we reframed that was, look, we are your parents and it is our job to hold things that are heavy. If we're carrying something in from the car and that thing is really heavy, who carries it? Do you carry it or does mommy and daddy carry it? Mm-hmm. That's right. Mommy and daddy carries it because right now physically we're just we're bigger. We can carry more. And emotionally it's the same thing, mm-hmm. even though we can't see that. And when you're older and you're bigger emotionally, I'll share so much more of my story. But for now, there's a few things that are just too heavy. So mommy and daddy, we're going to carry that. That's a really great metaphor. Yeah, I like that. And I would think that the kids doing their own counseling mm-hmm. separate from their parents yes. must be mm-hmm. extremely beneficial as well. Yes. I think especially for children that are really having a hard time with the grieving process, I think it's critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that parents need to be aware of. And please hear me when I say this. Please do not be an obstacle to that as a parent. Let your child get the help that they need in order to grieve it well you know, for for themselves so that they can also start to trust. Too. Remember, this is a major rupture mm-hmm. for your child. This is earth-shattering changes for their lives. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, being hyperbolic here. For a little person, their whole life is different than as they know it. And that's one thing that, yes, you have to take responsibility for as a parent in that. And then, two, what are the resources that I can offer Three, how can I attune and be aware of that grieving process and be a a facilitator in that? Mm -hmm. And then four, how can I continue to also help my child have a healthy relationship with their co-parent so they don't feel caught in the middle, Mm -hmm. that they have access to both of their parents? 
Mm-hmm. That yeah. is really important to yeah, provide that space for them. Because when you have that situation where the child constantly feels like they're caught in the middle, it is so, so difficult for the child. And you can have one parent doing really great work and keeping the child out of the middle, and you can have the other parent doing the exact opposite. But as long as one parent is choosing to consistently keep the children out of the middle and giving them that freedom to not have to worry and to not have to fret, over things that they don't need to be worrying or fretting over that makes a huge difference in that child's life. Yeah, parental alienation is a real thing. It mm-hmm. is. You know, and there are sadly a lot of parents that that are in that position. And mm-hmm. so if we can raise the consciousness mm-hmm. about what it looks like after divorce with, with our children to make sure that our kids are not mm-hmm. um, in a position where, you know, they're being used as weaponry. Yeah. And also, I think for parents, just to say one more thing is it is so tempting to numb yourself when you are going through this. And at the end of the day, like whether you're using alcohol or whatever you're using to numb or distancing yourself, my encouragement is your kids don't have those same numbing resources that you do. Just stay present. Even if you don't have a drinking problem, just start drinking hot tea and sitting on the couch and ask your kids if they'd like some because a lot of times we're escaping and our kids are left. And so whether you're escaping with dating straight away or whatever you're doing to help yourself manage your emotions, um, just I would encourage you meet with a coach, meet with a counselor, grab a group, but just stay present. I think if a parent, even if we don't have it all figured out, because we never will, especially in this kind of a rupture, just stays present. I think that is one of the most important things that a grieving child needs is their parents' presence. I couldn't say that better. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about COVID. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. a big stressor for everyone these last couple years. I mean, what are... How do you think that's impacted families? And, I mean, divorce divorce has never been higher. The divorce rate has never been higher. Um, You know, are we seeing more people divorcing during this pandemic? It seems so. Mm -hmm. So what what are you guys seeing there? So for me, what I see a lot in this culture with the COVID being so prevalent, um, I noticed that Uh, when during the pandemic there was a chunk of time where we were all at home together (laughs) and you know coming from a place where you and your partner you know either one or the other or both are gone for eight hours during the day and they're working and they have their own space and their own experiences and kind of creates that missing gives it you miss the other person you're really glad when you come home in the evening and you connect to your partner and if you have children connect to them and it's a blessing to have that time together and then when we were in the midst of COVID and on lockdown people were actually forced to be together for the entire day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a lot of togetherness. And oh. as a result. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yes there was. <laughs> and as a result, um, you start figuring out what is it really like to be around this person 24-7? Mm-hmm. How much do I really know them? 
how much do I know of them in a home situation on lockdown 24-7, possibly with kids and managing their frustrations with the, that kind of an experience and you're 24 seven, your mom, your dad, and you're... Yeah, it's like you know too much now. Yeah, yes. you're underfoot. Each other. Yeah. You're underfoot yeah. to a certain degree. Yeah. And that can be very difficult. I think a lot of people were starting to realize or either come to the realization or just becoming frustrated with their partner in that position. And, and it just created something else you see them all day long and now what does our relationship look like and do we really even like each other yeah because yeah. i think oftentimes you know couples can get really good at distraction correct mm-hmm. we're so yeah. can be so busy and then covid kind of buckled everybody down mm-hmm. in the house and then you, you're just not as distracted anymore yeah. everything yeah. is very apparent yeah like, it's real at yeah, that point yeah <laughs> this shit is real yeah <laughs> oh yeah and all of our different numbing like the going out and shopping to numb or going out and escaping, like everyone's escapes were just like whoop, mm-hmm. taken away. And the interesting, another side of that, that because I work with couples too, and I've seen a lot of couples who actually have way deeper, more meaningful, more fulfilling relationships mm-hmm. on the other side of COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, couples who have both parties have chosen to lean into doing some difficult work and managing their own emotions and being able to regulate their emotions in their relationship and not needing to rely on those escapes anymore. I've seen that be a beautiful thing with relationships and I've seen it um, get to the point where I think also COVID was a reminder of what are we doing? What are we doing with our lives? Yeah. What are we doing with our time? Yes. Life is really short. This is really scary. And I think it was almost that permission piece for people to start choosing a life that they really want to live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a life that feels more aligned for them. And I think a lot of people chose to say, like, okay, this relationship is not just challenging. It's actually toxic. And most likely it's been toxic for a while. Um, and I'm going to step out of this because I want to be my whole healthy, authentic self for my kids, for my community, for me, for myself. Um, so I think it was almost that like permission granted Mm -hmm. moment. Well, I mean, the other thing we, we didn't have access to most of us really was Mm self-care. I mean, that's such an important Mm -hmm. part of the, the process. Right. And I mean, I think that's just an important part of life, like just making sure that your needs are being met or whatever you need to unwind and connect with yourself. We, we didn't have access to that. Mm-hmm. So um, I know you're going to be talking about that a little bit in your class, mm-hmm. but can we talk about the importance of, of self-care too? Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. I think especially moving from victim and that disempowered posture into empowerment and ownership in your life, you recognize I'm responsible for me Mm -hmm. and I only get one body and one spirit and one mind to take me through this entire human experience. And what does it look like to be really, really holding that well? And so I feel like 
I always viewed self-care as being selfish. Mm. I think that's a common thing as a mom, right? Like I was the typical martyr mom and I was just so tired and I did everything for everybody and I was just such a martyr. And so really taking ownership of self-care and realizing like this is on me. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not taking steps to do this. And so interesting, but when I take steps as a mother – to take time for myself and my own self-care, whatever that looks like. It also gives myself, my kids permission to do the same for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we're modeling for our kids mm-hmm. what it looks like to really care for themselves so mm-hmm. that they can pour into other people and be more generous with their time and their gifts and their talents because they've been generous with themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like never trust the naked man offering you his shirt. You know, and that was in so many ways myself. Mm. Um, and so it was little steps, baby steps at first for self-care, but something in group in the check-in that's important to do is tell us what you did for self-care this week. Yeah, I recently saw somebody that I had mentioned, it might be a really good idea while mm-hmm. going through this divorce process because it's been a very long going, mm-hmm. ongoing, get a massage, mm. do some body work to help release some of this. And the individual said, I haven't been touched in three years. Oh. Yeah. Some of it just being COVID and, mm-hmm. you know, but I was like, wow, like to mm-hmm. not even receive touch in three years. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. heartbreaking. It's a long time. Like talk about the need for self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's heartbreaking and it's, it's interesting how easy it is to fall into that. Mm-hmm. And yes. when you hear people going around a group talking about, okay, what did you do for self-care this week? It's like, oh, darn, like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make time or space for that. Yeah. The, the, interestingly enough, but prior to COVID, one of the things that I recognized and noticed was the self-care piece is the easiest thing to let slide in our busy, busy, busy lives, uh, family and kids and relationships and um, self-care looks different for all individuals and I just want to touch really quick on extrovert and introvert because it's two different types of self-care to a certain degree with just with regards to how do they charge their batteries Mm -hmm. an introvert charges their batteries and they need to be alone to do that they want alone time yeah extroverts need to be around people to recharge their batteries. That's where they get their needs met and their batteries charged and they fill up their tank. So when COVID was on lockdown, the extroverts didn't get that very much at all, which causes a lot of more angst. And the introverts didn't get to be alone because they're in a house (laughs) with everyone. So no one really seemed to really get those self-care needs met on that front to a certain degree. I think a lot of introverts (laughs) did very well during COVID. (laughs) Yes. I had friends that were like, I'm actually really digging this. Yeah. Yeah. That was was not me. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe for a little while. When we thought it was only going to be a couple weeks, it sounded great. I was created for it. Yoga pants, alone, in my home, (laughs) all my kids' home. I just want to clarify, too, for your group. You don't have to have children to Mm -hmm. be a part of this divorce. You do not. That is true. So what um, when you guys talk about, like, either co-parenting or relationships and having more boundaries, what what kind of topics do you imagine so that it opens up to both? 
of camps, you know, people that have no children, people that do have children? So when we talk about what that looks like, for, for the people that don't have children, when we talk about co-parenting, we'll also be bringing in, talking about your family relationships, because mm-hmm. that's also very much affected. Your family relationships and your social relationships, all of those things are going to be changing. You're going to go from a individual who is a, also a couple to an individual who is single. Mm-hmm. And it's... And, and when you're dealing with all the people around you, not just, you know, co-parenting is, is a piece, but also that family relationship for all the people that don't have a mate, I'm sorry, don't have kids. Now who are they, even in their social circles, and how that changes where they used to maybe go out as couples and that's they don't do that anymore. Or that's not part of what it looks like. So what does it look like to recreate those kinds of relationships? And how do they... In the family situation, how are you relating to your family members? Right, like the boundaries with mm-hmm. now in-laws or that are now ex-in-laws, or Correct. we were best friends with your sister-in-law, and now what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, everyone's it's, situation is so is so different. Mm-hmm. Even co-parenting people without kids, it's so different, and giving somebody space to process what that experience has been for them and even maybe to grieve Mm. and talk about that a little bit I expected to have kids and now I'm divorced with no kids am I ever going to have kids Mm -hmm. like that dream not realized in in that relationship and it's extremely painful for people going through a divorce um when people say well at least you don't have kids because a lot of times that's mm. that's a really yeah. um, huge pain point and a huge yeah. grief. And so giving them a space to just experience that as they need to. Well, I feel like we could probably do several more episodes on, on the topic of divorce, <laughs> but we want to thank you both for, for being here today and for your time. Um, in this, it's a very dense conversation, of course, but I'm so thrilled Actually, I really am thrilled that we're offering this kind of program at Mainspring because I think the need is great, and we really want to serve this need for so many people that are hurting out there, that they have a safe place to be able to start their grieving process and move through. And it's different than just individual therapy, you know, that they can actually meet in a group atmosphere with the support of two really, you know, expert facilitators and then also the group itself and find healing. Yeah, and what I'm hearing, you know, is this everyone's journey is so different, but the need for support and community is universal, right? Yes. So thank you for sharing all that you both do to support those in need on this journey. And thank you for being here today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, absolutely. It's an honor. Thank you for doing everything you're doing at Mainspring. It's really, really an incredible, an incredible offering for parents in our community and families and individuals. Thanks for having me. So I'm just really being um, thoughtful right now in terms of how thankful I am that we are going to be holding a group like this at Mainspring. You know, I think about my own experience in my divorce and now being a co-parent, and I really could have benefited from a group like that. You know, even just being a therapist, it doesn't mean you have all the answers for yourself, you know. It was such a humbling experience to go through a divorce. Um, 
and then also to just be really intentional with uh, my children in the process too, and with my co-parent. You know, so I love that we we have a group um, that is designed to really help people get out of the the stuff that's holding them down. You know, to help them in their grieving process and really help them move forward towards their their better selves. Well, if you'd like more information about Diana and Jenny's class, or you're just seeking support on the journey of divorce, please reach out to us here at Mainspring Family Wellness. Um, and we also offer body work, Reiki, uh, hypnosis. Yes. So those are other treat. We have other treatment options uh, available as well. Yes, and we also have counseling that's available yes. and divorce coaching. Uh, as Jenny has also joined the team over at Mainspring Family, um, and then Diana is available for any kind of counseling, whether it's uh, teens and couples and and adults. Um, so we've got a really great group of people uh, over at Mainspring Family Wellness to serve you. And as always, check out our website frequently as our classes and offerings are constantly being updated. And please follow us on Instagram at Mainspring Family if you haven't already done so uh, for the latest news on everything that's happening at Mainspring Family Wellness. Bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back in a few weeks with another brand new episode. Mm-hmm.